Hey everyone, it's Rob with Four Songs. I know it's been a while. It's going to be like this for the next couple months. I just don't have the time to put these out at the same schedule as I used to. But hey, stick with me. Be patient. Go hit that subscribe button. Do me a favor and share this with a friend because if you like this stuff, if you like this music, chances are your friends will too. Before I get into the meat of this episode, I got a question for you. In the off chance that any of us listening have the opportunity to spend an hour in the car with one of our musical heroes and you're driving, which means you get to pick the music, what would you play? What albums would you play? But just think about that because as my next guest will tell you who had that opportunity, it's actually an incredibly stressful decision. Emily Capel is a singer from Northwest London. As she'll tell you, she loves The Clash. In fact, we were talking from her home via Zoom in Northwest London. There's a picture of the band in the background. And as you all know, I love The Clash too. So it was pretty clear this is going to be a fun interview for me. But as you'll find out, her influences go a lot deeper. We talk about Blondie. We talk about the Beastie Boys. We talk about a cover version of Blondie's Rapture that she did at the height of the pandemic. And you know, Rapture at the end when... Debbie Harrod does that big, long rap. Well, Emily does one too, and she kind of changes it up a bit. There's a line on her rap where she says, What an outrage it is to be my age. I miss Mike D, Ad Rock, and MCA. Obviously a Beastie Boys reference. That line just resonated with me, not because I was a huge Beastie Boys fan when I was younger, but because I was a huge Clash fan. And like Emily, I missed their heyday. I missed their band. I I missed their tours. I, I, you know, had the records, but, you know, I didn't get to see them live. But there's a feeling that when you miss something, you regret it. Even though you had nothing to do with it, you just think like, why couldn't I have been born earlier? Why couldn't I have seen that band in their heyday? But you know what's great about this podcast? Is I got to meet people like Emily Capel. Because there's so much good music nowadays. And it gives me inspiration to talk to someone like Emily, who's just putting out such great material, such a fresh new face, that there really is hope for the world, you know, to hear good new music these days. It's it's a blessing, and I hope that you all agree with me about that. We talk about Emily's 2019 solo album called Combat Frock. I didn't hear it until the pandemic hit, and I got to tell you, I don't know if it was just the mood I was in when I heard it, the mood of the country, the mood of the world, but boy, what a breath of fresh air. There are two songs we talk about from Combat Frock. We talk about Bonanza and Ipso Calypso, and then we talk about two other songs. One of them you probably heard, the other one maybe not. The first one was a song that she did with a band called Dread Zone. Dread Zone is a band that's been around for actually a couple, almost 20-some years now. They make up the rhythm section of Big Artie Dynamite. So that's drummer Greg Roberts and bass player Leo Easy Kill Williams. They did a song together recently called Flamingo. It's on Dread Zone's newest album, which is coming out in a couple weeks, actually. Flamingo is a brilliant song, lyrically and musically. It's about the Perfumo Affair, which is a mid-60s scandal in England. But then we talk about a song called E equals MC squared. And if you know that song, you know Big Audio Dynamite. So let me get back to my question earlier. If you know the band BAD, you probably know Don Letts. And if you know The Clash, you know Don Letts because he was one of those original punk rockers way back in the day. Don, as you'll hear, actually wanted Emily to sing on a new version of E equals MC squared. Now, the version that we talk about is the dub version. There is actually a straightforward one that has not been released publicly, and I'm dying to hear it because it sounds amazing just based on the dub version that you hear. Anyway, Emily talks about how stressful it was to drive around in the car with Don Letts and what music she played. Just keep that in the back of your mind as you're listening because it is just a fantastic interview. So I'm going to just stop talking. I've been blabbering enough. Please welcome Emily Capel to Four Songs. Emily, thank you for joining me for Four Songs. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. 
Well, I started this this whole thing during the pandemic, and it's now we're almost two years into it. So, how has life been for you the last couple of years? Uh, it's been it's been tricky. It's been okay. So we were due to fly away to Dubai and do the madness tour, but that got pulled kind of like 24 hours before we were due to fly out and that still hasn't happened we haven't had that rescheduled yet so it was tricky but we kept going sort of as much as we could and uh yeah it's been it's been tricky but it's you you just got to crack on with it really yeah well so I've been to London twice and the first time was back in 2003 right around that there's a heat wave going on back then and I guess it was about eight months after Joe Strummer had died. And for someone I grew up outside of Washington, D.C., and listening to the clash back then, it was like, where are these people from? Like, it's just like they're on the moon or something. But then when I went to London, I was walking around some of those neighborhoods. I really felt like I understood where that music came from. And it seems like there's something about London and the, the mix of cultures that, that comes into that city that part of the world that I don't think you really get anywhere else and I'm just curious from your perspective I mean what is it about London that brings these cultures together like that I think you're totally right actually yeah there's so much everybody's n- nobody's the same here and everybody's ancestry is is totally different as well um what I think brings it together I don't know really it's getting harder because London is, is now so expensive so a lot of us are either still at home or moving out of London. You're still living with our mum and dads, I mean, or still, or moving out of London. So that's harder. But yeah, it just seems to be, a, a you know, I take it for granted, perhaps, that there's so much culture here. I live in North West London. Um, and so there's things like the Notting Hill Carnival. Yeah. And we have loads of really cool stuff that we celebrate here. And yeah, I, I suppose... <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it's just London. I, I, I've never, I, I guess I take that for granted. Yeah. Really... Well, so it's kind of speaking of The Clash and other, and music, I, but I came across your cover of Rapture from Blondie right. on, on YouTube, and <clears throat> I, I love the rap you did at the end. That's and awesome. <laughs> well, the, the line I liked the best was, it's an outrage to be of my age, Miss Mike, Ad-Rock, Mike, the MCA. And <laughs> that really hit me because, you know, when I was probably like 12 or 13, when I discovered the clash at that point they were they had no longer they were no longer existing but you know the the offshoots were around but it just made me realize like i know what you mean when you're like i miss that <laughs> and just by like totally. five or six years it's so frustrating yeah i got re- the the pandemic i when the pandemic hit it was my birthday and my my parents bought me a the beastie boys story a, a big book about the beastie boys and the we have a news. Well, we used to have a newspaper here called the New Musical Express, The Enemy, and they used to do this thing called My Album Story. And every week, they would write about an album that you had to get. Most weeks, I would try. This was when I was much younger, when I was in my teens, and I would try and buy that album. And or if we already had it, I'd like go back and listen to the album. And one week, it was Paul's Boutique by the Beastie Boys, and I was like, Oh God, like this is too, I can't deal with like. And there's one track where it's just banjos like I can't I can't deal with this so, and then my mum and dad bought me the Beastie Boys book for my birthday there was a Beastie Boys the Beastie Boys film on Apple TV and because it was the pandemic I watched that and then I read the book and got out my old copy of Paul's Boutique and I was like god 
this is amazing I can't believe and obviously you know I'm a big fan of Big Audio Dynamite so I like that sampling kind of thing and the Beastie Boys were a couple of years after that Paul's Beauty album is 1992 and and Big Audio Dynamite is the late 80s the Beastie Boys in the book they fly over to London and they meet Big Audio Dynamite. And when I was working with Don and Greg and Leo, I was like, look, you're in the Beastie Boys book. <laughs> and I, like, so I, I devoured everything I could about the Beastie Boys. So this is a podcast though, about songs and songwriting. And I know you, we just talked a lot about The Clash and the Beastie Boys, but I just wonder from when you started writing, what were some of your biggest influences and just... Did anyone kind of take you under their wing and say, "Okay, here's how we're gonna, here's how you write," and what were some of the lessons that you that you still use today when it comes to, to just writing music and lyrics? So I've started writing lyrics. I'm I'm much better at writing lyrics than I am writing music. If if anybody is a guitarist that hears my songs, I mean that there's nothing there's nothing special in there. Like I'll just play the same chords and then I'll put a capo on it and play the same chords again and then I'll just keep doing up the fretboard. That's country and music. <laughs> totally, like that's the best way to do it. But lyrically I kind of started writing songs. I get I was when I was or when I was much younger, I really liked when I was started writing songs, I really liked Frank Sinatra and standards. So I would write songs about like toddling into town and that kind of thing and and then um I bought a guitar when Joe Strummer had just died 10 and a lot of people were like oh you you learn to play the guitar because you learn to play other people's songs but I couldn't figure it out so I just had to I had to write my own because I couldn't play anybody else's so that I and it's just it's that clash thing of like you write about what you know well we're here to talk about for your songs, and two of them from Combat Frock, your most recent album. They'll talk about Bonanza and Ipso Calypso, and then two newer singles with some well-known collaborators. You have Flamingo with Dread Zone, and then E equals M2 Squared, which is like my favorite <laughs> Big Art Dynamite song. It's like the first one that I just fell in love with, and which is just a beautiful version of it, by the way. So we'll get to that one last, because that that's just amazing. But we'll start with Combat Frock, though, which had... I guess you were. You said you were, you were fortunate that it came out. You were able to get a tour in before the world shut down, but it also came out right before the world shut down. So, what's I it know, like listening to that? Now? Sword. Yeah. <laughs> what's it like when you listen to that album now? Just kind of knowing like what was gonna, and then obviously you didn't know the time that we are where we are. But just when you hear it now, you're just like, wow, I, things are just very so different now. So. I don't hear it now. <laughs> <laughs> I never come home and put myself on it will it, yeah if it comes on I'm a bit like I'll turn that off like it's too, uh, I, I can't I don't uh I don't listen to me but I don't know I don't know about you but because of the pandemic I kind of have lost track of time it only feels like yesterday right. that it came out really I kind of felt like we lost a year but I'm very proud of, of combat I'm very proud of it there's nothing I would change about it really nothing so it, yeah because when, when you hear it when I hear it now because I, I didn't come across it until we were in the pandemic and it was such a refreshing listen like oh my gosh there is still good in the world <laughs> thank thank you for putting that out because everything at the time was just like the world's gonna end or everything was just so bleak and then hearing something yeah. like like that where and it's interesting because we were talking about the influences going back to Sinatra but it there's just something fresh and positive about it it almost sound it, it sounds new 
in a way. So for that, just more power to you. That's awesome. How does that come together? Like who, I guess the better way I said is who's, who's in your band and like, how, how do you, to work with them? Like, do you come forward you say you write lyrics first, but does it just kind of go from there or how does the music all come together? Uh, I had, I had um, six or seven tracks already from for, to go for combat rock and there there was a couple it was like yeah five I'd say that I didn't want to use on the album purely because they either sounded too similar to another song which I'm such a nightmare for or um I just I just wanted to write new stuff because we'd done an EP we'd done three EPs and then we I wanted to put new stuff on the album I didn't want people buying the same stuff so most of them I'd already written myself and then tracks like I found a footballer to marry me and 101 Waterton Road I wrote with my guitarist and the second album is all written that way okay. it's all written with him they're not not the musicality the the melody and the lyrics are mine but the tracks are his which is nice I sort of found my Mick Jones <laughs> you know what I mean well, let's start with Bonanza, which is one of the catchiest songs I've heard in a long time. And just the way it starts and the bass. and That's a doo-wop. Uh, that's heavily doo-wop influenced Bonanza. The Clash, I'm going to keep going on about The Clash. The Clash wrote um, Magnificent Seven. And I Googled a country and Western TV program because Magnificent Seven was one, a film. And then I was Googling either a film or TV show with a country and Western thing and a program called Bonanza came up. So I took the name Bonanza from that because <laughs> I wanted to write a clash. So that's big old fat mods for the clash. And then, um, and yeah, it's got that bomb, 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 do whoppy kind of feel to it. I wrote that oh, years ago. Uh, my my previous management hated me playing it because they said it was boring. They were like, you say Bonanza too many times in it. So every time we used to play it live, I used to dedicate it to my manager. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's brilliant because I, I like, because to me, it, it's the way you write it the, lyrically. It, it's And there's something about, I, I don't know if I'm going to articulate this in a great way, but feels like it's, it's a, almost a personal song. Like you said, you write about your life a lot, but you write it in a way that it feels like we're all with, with you, if that makes sense. And so it's oh, clear. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. Uh, lyrically, well, I, a lot of my friends have gone to university or college for you guys at the time. I went down to this music college in Brighton where a lot of my friends had gone and they were all posh, white, <laughs> middle-class kids taking drugs and I uh 
I was just like, I can't be doing this. So I can't stand a posh boy when he's high, but we'll be fine. I'm just so aware of our class divide. It's sort of all that. I don't go to uni. I try to build a family. Why even bother? I can't afford to get a degree. So it was all written sort of when everybody was at university and I would go down and see him and just be like, this is the biggest waste of time. And like, I don't know about in America, but like in here, it's so much money. And especially music uni, like you're not going to walk into a record label and go, hi, I've got a degree in jazz. Can I have a, can I have a record label like deal? Like it don't work like that. So she's like, why, why there? Yeah, well, I like the, the Joe Strummer line there on the bridge. You got a photo of Joe okay. Strummer. Oh, yeah. So when I played at, I played at Glastonbury Festival. And uh, I did a thing with Billy Bragg. And uh, Billy Bragg sort of sat there. And I was sat here. And you take it in turns to do songs. It was mental. He really laughed at that line. And he was like, I've got a photo with Joe Strummer on my camera. And I was like, oh, it's a bit awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so you mentioned the saxophone. Who's playing sax on that? My amazing sax player, Dan, he's playing sax on that. Yeah, it was like, like when we were demoing it, it was like, do more. And there's a great song by a band called The Mystery Jets called Two Doors Down. Hmm. It's like the biggest 80s ripoff ever. There's a massive, great, big, fat sax. And I think I sent him that solo. So there's there's stuff from all there's the there's the eighties sax and then there's the sixties BBs and then there's the doo wop chorus and then there there's the lyrics that is like me so yeah it's a uh, it's a good one Bonanza definitely yeah yeah I mean just and like as I was saying just the, the way the sounds all come together the, the different you're just saying the different decades and it comes in across like it's just something fresh and, and new and so oh, thank you. yeah so we got an ipso calypso. Which is funny because yeah. when, <clears throat> when I first heard it, because I, I just think back to the the, the big old dynamite two song Kool Aid, which starts out with that "Welcome to the Dipso Calypso," and then there's also the Cecilia the Celia Cruz song "Ipso Calypso," and it's also a candy, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was secretly wanted. I wanted an advert. Don't tell oh. the Beastie Boys; they wouldn't have been pleased with that. Yeah, Ipso Calypso. So Ipso Calypso 
is heavily influenced by a song by the angels called my boyfriend's back yes. Yes. my boyfriend's back and it's gonna be yeah that one Because at the time when I wrote that, I was gigging a lot on my own. <clears throat> and when you gig on your own, you have to have dynamics in songs. So it's quite nice. I can play it with the, the guitar part. It's just one note. Do, 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 do. So it's quite nice when you're playing on your own. You don't start a song like just with a chord the same way most songs start. So, yeah, I don't know what Ipso Calypso is. I wish I could tell you that it was something, but <laughs> I, I'm not sure. Calypso, going back to the Frank Sinatra love, there's a, a film called High Society that he's in and uh, Louis Armstrong does the High Society Calypso, uh, which is brilliant. So I kind of wanted to get a kind of Calypso-y. That's where that influence came from, that Louis Armstrong. I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, this song really stood out to me because exactly like you said, that my boyfriend's back. I mean, just like the rhythm, the, the way, the verses. And I like the, the lyrics because it feels like you're kind of talking about this, the music scene in a way. And at least the beginning, just yeah. even though you... Totally. And I also like the, the Twitter reference there. Don't at me because I'm giving yeah. it all I got. That's clever. That's really cool. Social media is so, is so influential. Like the, some people say really funny things on social media and I always write it down because they're really funny. Like you can, you can find some really funny stuff. Don't at me was, was, was a debate I watched and somebody was like, well, don't at me. And the person who they were debating was like, what? Um, <laughs> so it's really funny so yeah. just in it so yeah well, it works there too I mean that's what's Thank so good you. about it and so I mean it's funny because you know when you it, like I said it does feel like a commentary on the music industry at, at parts of it and it feels like you know you grew up listening to The Clash and other that the industry is completely different 
now than even was like five or 10 years ago. I mean, what, this is going to sound like a really stupid question, but you're in it. I mean, how hard is it to, to do this nowadays? Without sounding like Morrissey, <laughs> it is unbelievably difficult. In the past three months, I have watched nearly every band I came up with stop. Bands that I never thought, I never thought would stop, have had to stop. Like most weeks, I see it online. There is just, there is just no money. There is no money and there is no, oh, not any venues anymore. It is, a lot of it is heritage acts. And I know that, that if you look at a festival lineup, some of these bands, you're like, blimey, are they still alive? And they're st- it's like, yeah, they're still, and, 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 and I, do, I do a radio show and I like to play really old stuff. But I also like to play new bands and they, there aren't any. There honestly aren't any, and it's it's just it's just it's. I mean, I'm like I thank Joe Strummer that I could work with Dreadzone because if I hadn't have worked with Dreadzone and Don, I don't like we right now. There's a second album written, and we can't go in and record it because there's no money to go in and record it. There's no money, and like I'm having meetings with people with it written, completely demoed, completely done. And I'm like, please, please, we put it out. <laughs> and like my, my, my booking agent at the beginning of the pandemic, it was a, it was a, was a great, I know that I'm biased because I'm me, but it was just such an incredible booking agent. So it's not just bands. So it's him. Now he, he now cleans offices as his job because he earns more from cleaning offices and they were just cutting back so much that and it's not just him it's like there's lighting engineers there's sound engineers there's there's just nothing like there's no no venues but there's so it's I know I sound like Morrissey but I I mean I don't know what we're going to do I don't know how we're going to put the second album out right now I know we will that's why I'm so grateful for Dreadzone. Well, so speaking of, of Dreadzone, let's talk about Flamingo, which I believe was written and recorded during the pandemic. Is that right? Written and recorded during the pandemic, yeah. Uh, wow. So they're on the same agency. Greg from Dreadzone, who's like their musical director, he was watching a programme about a girl called Christine Keeler, um, who, we, but in our government in the early 50s she had an affair with a top member of parliament and it nearly brought down the government at that time it was like really scanned this massive scandal and it's called the profumo affair and it was a big scandal the christine keeler scandal and there was a tv show that was on about it just at the beginning of lockdown i think she's from uxbridge christine keeler originally which is not too far away from me greg from dreadzone rang me and was like have you seen this Christine Keeler program and I tried to write with Dreadzone before but they don't get political in their lyrics at all we are so polar opposite so they sing songs about like peace and love and let's all get <laughs> high and 
you know what their, their thing is life love and unity and like they all are and I'm there like no we've got to sing about like what Joe Strummer would have wanted us to yeah. sing about he was like will you watch this program and write about Christine Keeler I did and uh, he sent me a track the thing about Dread Zone is that they give you a name of a song so he goes I want to call it Flamingo and I was like well where the hell does that come from? Like, and I hadn't seen the programme. I was like, what the hell? Is there, do they get attacked by birds? Like, what's going on? And then there's a club in Soho that, incidentally, my granddad used to go to, and a guy called oh. Georgie Fame. Yeah, mental. Georgie Fame used to sing there, and different people, mods and stuff used to go there. Christine Keeley used to go there. I sent him Flamingo, and then they cut it all up, and they rearrange it. Oh, really? And then he'll say, yeah, it's, they, that is not what I sent him. <laughs> <laughs> like, totally not what I sent him. And then he'll, he would ring me and go, you need to put another couplet in there. Like, the, the chorus bit, I think, was... The, so he's repeated that. It was a part of a verse. So, like, if we ever had to do that live, I'd have to go back and... Like, some, it's not what I sung. I'd never done anything like that before. This is my story, the story of my life, the Christine Keeler story. This is where it's at, there's no going back. You're young, gifted, and so good. I'm fun, twisted, and hot. It feels like I'm losing the plot. Young, gifted, and what? It was great, but like, but and they mix. They do about ninety thousand mixes. It's mental. Every day I would get a new mix, and sometimes I wouldn't hear any changes in it, and I'd be like, "Oh yeah, it's great. I've no idea what you've done, but yeah, it's absolutely." <laughs> yeah, because I mean, the lyrics I think are fantastic because you're talking about as you described earlier. You know, she, it's a bit of a tragic figure. It sounds like, and but love this incredible life, espionage and. Yeah, government scandal. I mean, how'd you pack that into basically two minutes and 40 seconds? <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, and, and with Dread Zone, you can't get political at all. So you have to be really careful. You can't go to town about the Tory MPs and mm-hmm. like support women as much as you as, as they do support women. They don't want to sing songs about things like that. So um, I don't know, really. It was, it's quite nice to write, to, to be given a brief. Mm-hmm. It was quite nice to do that. And I used to write monologues for people. Okay. Kind of did the whole monologue thing again. It's quite nice. So you, I, I could watch the programme and like, make little notes and then so pick up on like words they use. I liked how you used the, just the way you kind of rhymed. And, and this again, I mean, as someone, because I, in my younger days, I thought <laughs> I would be like a writer one day and then write music, but I just never had the, I just couldn't do it. Lyrically, I just struggled with it and, it seems so effortless to you, at least when I hear like a song like this, I think like, how would you, can you concisely explain this incredibly complicated story in so few words, but you, I feel like the way you wrote it, you, you really do empower her in a way, if that makes sense. Oh, I'm always going to, of course, yeah. Yeah, I'm always going to empower her totally. But like as well, in my lyrics, there's always a clash reference.
the more you listen to this song, the more you hear, and I just feel like it gets it gets better and better. So just oh, thank you. Really, really, really proud of that. Yeah. Well, so the last song. Uh, thank you so much for giving me so much of your time. I guess it's, it's evening where you are. It's still kind of morning-ish here. Uh, nah, but... it's mid-afternoon. Here. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's still sunny out. Yeah. Um, e equals mt squared, which is like I said earlier, is like my favorite. I think it is my favorite big guy dynamite song. I mean, so how did this come together for you with working with Don Letts and and just what was the recording of this like? So I was here in here right where I am and I had as I said I have a radio show I was doing my radio show and I got a text from Greg from Dreadzone and they know I am the world's biggest Clash fan being with them is sometimes tricky enough like I can't sometimes I'm like oh my god like the, the things that I can't and I fangirl like you wouldn't but I don't I'm not cool about it so I hadn't met Don Letts it was kind of like they would say things and they'd say, oh, Don. And I was like, like my ears would pick up and I'd be like, oh, my God. And, um, and I was doing my radio show here and I had a text from Greg and he said, my friend Donovan is looking for a female vocal. Um, I've given him your number. He's going to call you later tonight. And I was doing a radio show and I, I just texted back, okay, cool. And my, I thought, I wonder if it's Dan Donovan from Big Audio Dynamite. That's where I went. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. So anyway, I did the radio show and at seven o'clock I was eating a Twix. You might not have Twixes over there. No, we do. Um, like a biscuit. My phone rang and Don Let's over here. So obviously I'm the biggest Clash fan and I know who Don Let's is, but he's also got a radio show on something called BBC Six Music, which is like, you know, I'd sell my firstborn child to get <laughs> on the week on Six Music. Like that's, you know, so I know his voice. So I answered my phone and you know who it is like instantly. So I put, <laughs> just like trying to swallow this mouth of Twix <laughs> and talk to Don Letts. And he was like, um, he's like, right, I've got this song. I want to go in and do um, E equals MC squared. This guy called Gaudi and I want you to sing it. And, and he was saying it to me as if I didn't know what E equals MC squared was. <laughs> um, I was in this band before. Um, oh I know, and I'm there like, oh, I don't know exactly what it is. <laughs> and so he sent me the lyric, and he also sent me another track as well, uh, which I, which we also did. Uh, it hasn't come out yet. It's not a big audio dynamite song. It's a song for Japan. So in this phone call, he said, um, "I'd like you to do equals MC squared, and can I want you to sing this song in Japanese?" So if Don Letts rings you and says, can you sing in Japanese? You go, of course I can, of course I can sing in Japanese, yeah, definitely. Um, so I was like, brilliant. Yeah, of course, of course I can do that. And inside you're going, oh my God, how am I, how on earth am I going to do that? So before we did E equals MC squared, we did the Japanese song. So I had, by the time I went in to do that, I'd already kind of met him. So when we went over to do E equals MC squared, I had to... I drove over in my car and picked up Don Letts and drove him to the studio. The stress of what to pick to play musically in the car was like stress I have never felt. I just didn't, I just didn't know what to play. And also I didn't want to put anything on shuffle in case something came on 
that like we've got a pop band over here called McFly who I sort of secretly love with my friends and my school friends although I'm a massive Clash fan like uh, I do um, on my iTunes have a little McFly playlist. so I was like what if McFly comes on like what am I gonna do <laughs> anyway so, so I drove over and for an hour it was just me and Don Letts in the car so wow. yeah <laughs> and then we got to the studio and well, what uh, song did you like what music did you play it was that's what music did I play? I actually chickened out and I played I played a Clash album. Okay. But then I was a bit like shut. I played Give Them Enough Rope. But yeah, it was unreal of like, oh god. We went over to the studio and did you press MC Squared? It was mate, it was great. It was everything that you kind of thought it would be. Why do I play as a chicken? It, but it never loses its, oh, my God, that's on that. Yeah. Well, and just that yeah. song. I mean, so did you, was this all done like in one day, it sounds like? And... All done in one day. And then uh, they did a dub mix of it. And then they, have you got the, I think it's the dub mix mm-hmm. that you've probably got. And then I've got yeah. the full vocal. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. I play it on my radio show a lot. Yeah. It was really... It was really bonkers because that was kind of like the first single as well. He did a, the Late Night Tales compilation, which is what it's from. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like, I think it was was a, definitely a release as a single. It got a lot of radio play over here. Like my lockdown, I, I never, you know, I never thought some some people lost everything, and then somehow Joe Schrammer shunned down from punk rock heaven, and I, I'm working with Don Letts. It's like, yeah, well, I mean, like I said, that's it's my favorite, my favorite song. I, you know, that that chorus. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I would sing along to that chorus. <laughs> Side 
said, I kind of discovered, I got in the clash kind of by accident. I was really young and my friends were into punk rock and I got cut the crap, which is not the best introduction to the band, but I liked it. And I was 13 or 14 and just kept digging and digging in. And back then, yeah, I didn't have any money and I had to go to the cassette stores and Sam Goody, we go to the mall or something and buy it on cassettes. And then my friend told me about Big Eye Dynamite and like, oh my God, Mick Jones is still performing. And so then again, just kind of had to dig in. And, and but I was actually like, con- like I was 15, I think, when Rush came out. And right. just to think, oh my God, I'm alive and they're putting out a new single. I so, know, right? You beat me. Yeah. Yeah. So lucky. They toured not a couple of years ago, they reformed and yeah. they went to America. I don't know if you got a chance to see them. No, they didn't come here, but I got to see them in college, actually, in this tiny little club in D.C., and it was, I think, one of the last tours. This is when they were still, it was, like, probably Big R Dynamite 3 at that point, because they didn't have Don Lutz. They 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 didn't have anything, anyone from either of those two bands, but it was still, I mean, I didn't care, because it was Mick Jones, and I think Rankin Roger was with them at that time. Yes, yes, that's that's right. Yeah. But that's really cool, regardless. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, so it's really you. interesting to 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 hear like who caught what, especially in America. Like I don't mm-hmm. I don't know what timeline you guys got it, and obviously your age and stuff like that. So, but yeah, I caught them. I got to see the they reformed. I think I was sixteen. I got to see them there, but that was cool. Yeah, well, it's just funny how music travels. You know, it just gets across the, the country or the world, and. So, well, speaking of, I think, uh, thank you so much for your time tonight, Emily. I know it's getting late where you are, sort of, and just, so what's next? You said you have an album, and... Yeah, so we have we have an album. So my first album is called Combat Frock. Dread Zone Boys have named my second album Sander Sister, um, <laughs> which I keep accidentally saying. I can't do that. I can't keep nicking from the clash. But right now... The concentration is with the new Dread Zone album because I've got three tracks on that, Flamingo being one of them. That, and I'm touring with Dread Zone. And then we've got quite a lot of festivals as well. We're looking to go and do the Madness shows in England. Okay. They're happening in June. And also, we, you never really know whether it's all going to go again at the moment. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I'm just enjoying, you know, what's definitely happening. Yeah. And I'm lucky, you know, like my lockdown, like, you know, I do a, I do a Blondie cover and, and then you're working with Don Letts. It's like, <laughs> me. Well, it's um, talent. I mean, it doesn't happen by accident. <laughs> I mean, so what's the best way as you wrap up for people to, to find you and your radio show? Where, where, where can you get your Oh, my, it's all on my website. It's Emily Capel, whatever. It's all on the, I know it's a bit naff, but I'm on all those social media. I'm not on Snapchat. I can't keep up with that. <laughs> I don't know if you are. It's too much for me. I can barely keep up with twitter <laughs> I, I don't and I'm, I'm of the age where i feel like it's it's the way to communicate with people but i just see what's going on in our world and feel like that's definitely added to everything that's going wrong with our world is social media is just like the the gasoline that is taking it yeah, over i know right but i'm so i like when you when you said this i'm so glad you said zoom because i was like i can't figure out how to use anything else like i need it to be zoom <laughs> <laughs> so, well <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing how it works. I don't, I don't know how it works, but thank you so much tonight. Thank for you for having me. And thank you for yeah. being so so supportive and so interested. Like some people don't listen to lyrics and stuff. So thank you for being one of those people that does. Well, thank you, Emily, for joining me. I hope you all enjoyed that as much as I did. 
yeah, I don't know. I don't have much else to say after that one other than go check out her website, emilycapel at co.uk. If you want to hear the new Dreadzone album, you can check them out at dreadzone.com. They've got a song called Dreadtown that Emily sings. I didn't hear it until after we talked, so unfortunately I didn't get to ask her much about it, but it's going to be one of the best songs you hear all year. Go check them out. Their album is coming out in April of 2022. Flamingo's on it, so is Dreadtown and one other that they did together. I hope you all have enjoyed this. I don't know when the next one will be, but please stay tuned. I got more coming. Be patient. Subscribe, and thank you for listening.